0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another bald move television where the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And uh, we're going to be talking about another one of these uh, singularity moments where we're talking about a single show, something we've been excited for for a long time. Uh, The Terror Infamy, which is a return of the anthology series. Last time we saw it, Jared Harris was leading a doomed expedition to the Arctic. And uh, we had a lot of fun with that show. Uh, We thought it was really good. It really cleaned up in the Baldies. Um, This is going to be an interesting because we don't we we typically not have had access to these, uh, but we're we we managed to get access to um, some screeners for the first few episodes of the terror. So this is going to be a preview where we've seen essentially three the first three hours of this television show. Uh, we're gonna be talking about it. Um we had talked about doing like episode by episode coverage like we did with um uh, uh the
1: the, the power T- plant. Take your pick, Chernobyl, Chernobyl yeah. uh Stranger No, not Stranger Things, Sharp Objects. Sharp Objects, yeah. Uh, what we're currently doing uh, in the Hulu. Um, yeah. we're uh,
0: we're we're probably not gonna do that now partly because um, we haven't been grabbed by this season yet as, as much as we were to previous. And also because we're just extremely busy uh, doing the star Burns project with uh, Rick and Morty at the, at the, at the same moment. Uh, let's talk about uh, just general thoughts. Like we, yeah. we, we love the terror season one. Uh, I'm very, so the terror infamy is set uh, around a community of uh, Japanese American immigrants in the night, in and and started starting in 1941 in California, mm-hmm. uh, these are fishermen. Um, they've they're well, they do all kinds of th- the careers. And you know, there's there's the older generation that are like the first generation immigrants, there's some second generation that are more Americanized, uh, they speak English very fluently, they're going to college, they're branching out in their relationships. Uh, they have varying respect for the old ways and the old customs and the old religions and uh, even superstitions uh there's a lot of themes of kind of like regret and guilt um and you, you what what uh what what do you owe your community um and then in the first episode uh, Pearl Harbor happens. <laughs> yeah. And if you know anything about U S history, you know, that meant a lot of bad things for, for people with Japanese, uh, ancestry.
1: And I'll, I'll admit to not knowing a ton about it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew that there were internment camps set up. I knew that, uh, Japanese people were forced into them. Um, beyond that, not much. I I didn't quite understand it. And I think that's, you know, a, an extremely important topic, given the current state of affairs, yeah. you know, domestically, but also around the world mm-hmm. at the moment uh, with immigration and and d- d- people's reactions to that. Yeah.
0: And if, you know, it's like, um, unfortunately, if, if you view the world like I think Jim and I do, uh, you don't see like an immigrant slash refugee problem as like this is just like some kind of burst thing that we're dealing with right now and it's going yeah, to get yeah. better. like. Uh, it's, 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 it's my thought that this is going to continue to get worse and worse as, you know, global economies continue to be destabilized as governments are destabilized as the effects of global climate change continue to occur like this is going to be something that we are going to have to deal with more and more and so going back into the past and seeing uh failures um and it is extremely i think you know obviously if you don't know your history you're doomed to repeat <laughs> it uh real quick before we get into kind of like our review just want to make sure everyone knows the amc or the, the amc this is the show it's, it's the terror, It's on amc uh it premieres august 12th this monday um and it's going to run i think for 10 episodes yeah so that's that's if you want to if you want to tune in that's how you get to it uh jim any ideas on maybe why we haven't hooked on to this as much as we did for the season one of the terror
1: yeah it does feel a little bit different than season one i think uh one of the things that really hooked me in season one was sort of the way that they drip fed out the horror element um and, and it wasn't It wasn't always supernatural. It was always um, kind of a combination of both. You never really understood what the horror element was until later in the season.
0: Yeah, there was always the idea that maybe these men are just going crazy because of the isolation, because of the poisoning that they're undergoing, because of the the, the food that they have to depend on. Lots of different
1: things. Absolutely, and I think this season so far has maybe tried to get at that same feeling but it feels like they put their foot on the throttle on the accelerator and Mm. and really wanted to get to that stuff earlier in the season and it it they to to the the point of like episode three which i is where i've seen too they haven't they've both like really stepped on that accelerator and also not done much with it Mm. so like i it leaves me in this weird lurch where I don't know what's going on, and yet I understand that there's probably something supernatural, but but not in the same like nebulous, interesting sort of way that season one did it.
0: Well, there's a lot of structural challenges, too, because in season one you had the inherent interest of a, a particular setting, which I guess this does too.
1: Oh yeah, this definitely does.
0: Um, but you've got like this
1: a set of characters
0: where you've got two people that are kind of in command and they kind of drive, you, you have a set of people that are in command and they kind of drive the action and there's a constellation of people that orbit around those and you've got like, you know, uh, everything kind of fits in because everything's in a hierarchy already. Where this um, in the first couple episodes, I wasn't sure who the main character actually is supposed to be. Like, is it this guy? Yeah. Is it this guy's father? Is it this uh, other character? Um, also, I think it's a little bit of a slow burn. And maybe that's why they're like pushing, you know, really stepping on the gas with the supernatural things because they're introducing such a huge cast and also a setting mm-hmm. that's unfamiliar. And also, like last season, The supernatural elements came from like Native American myth, and like everyone on the show was unfamiliar with this. So yeah, you were as the the as as a watcher, you were learning at the same time that the men affected by these supernatural effects, like about the legends, and and Mm -hmm. whereas here you've got a community, I felt like an outsider. Because I've got this community that you know has these very very firmly held beliefs that are very foreign to me, and they're alluding to things before they're even talking to things, and mm-hmm. things are being. Sh- it's it's kind of like um, you know when you. Watch a vampire movie You don't realize how much stuff You've already got baked in Because you know We come from a Christian society That has these legends For hundreds of years It's all built on each other And it's like you know You see somebody with with long fangs And they bite someone's neck You know ah that's a vampire And that's what they do Hmm. Clearly that's happening here with these Japanese folklore myths about ghosts and things, but I'm not super familiar with them. And it's like well into episode two and three before they're even establishing these concepts. And it's 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 hard for me to uh, to where it's like this was like, oh, we just got guys and ships and are stuck in ice flow. And now there's some kind of like supernatural polar bear monster here it's like right we're seeing all this stuff but i don't know what the name is and i don't
1: know and and, and maybe that's you know what they're going for maybe they, they want to uh speak more to japanese americans who uh, you know have some experience with these concepts with this particular time in history right um i know a lot of the principals involved in this show have uh, you know deep ties to this stuff i mean george tk is is one of the cast members and I understand that you know his his parents were. He he may himself he himself, was, be, he, he himself yeah. was
0: imprisoned in two different Japanese American internment camps.
1: Right, so he's got a very personal tie to this, and I could see you know wanting this show to speak primarily to those people. Yeah, uh, I know that the lead Derek Mio uh,
0: is a fourth generation Japanese American whose grandfather also lived on Terminal Island, was sent to one of the internment camps uh, after Pearl Harbor. He also mm-hmm. starred in. Um, Won the Netflix docu series Medal of Honor, um, uh, and then two of the directors, uh, one was had a grandfather who was born in Hiroshima uh, and lived through the atomic bomb uh, dropping, and then uh, another of the directors' grandfather died in one of the la- labor camps because of the poor medical conditions and uh, medical care. So, like, there is a lot of that that kind of, that, that that is kind of cooked into the show's DNA, mm-hmm. and that's the stuff. Like, I I actually. Uh, found all that stuff a lot more fascinating than the spooky things going on.
1: Yeah. Like uh um, I agree the the spooky stuff has left me cold. Right. But that's where the heart of this is and yeah. I I feel like I'm getting too much of the spooky not enough of the heart.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely, you know, when you see this these communities and obviously they have a lot of pride and some of that pride is like, you know, their successful integration and, you know, like the um uh the 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 the, the main the feature player here chester uh, huh chester chester there's that conflict because he's like you know look at my dad he's so proud he's got this car but all he does is drive around this island like he's this big fish in a very small pond and i want to see what's out there and that's the other thing is that in this community you've got the 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 old timers the previous Mm -hmm. generation that very much like oh this might be (laughs) one of these japanese ghost things and like the younger uh Generation that's just open, openly either skeptical or even derisive of the fact that this might be a concern.
1: Yeah, th- no, that's probably the best part of this show is the sort of uh, familial divide mm-hmm. uh, amongst these people, and like where it intersects with trying to place yourself in this new culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how much of your old culture do you do you retain? How much do you give up? Uh, where does that all land? And then seeing the different generational reactions to it mm-hmm. is. In my opinion, the best part of this show, and I wish there was more of that um, that I was that I was getting. Yeah,
0: and I think unf- when. So so like the, the core material here about these these uh these people who are very proud and patriotic Americans and the experience that they're going to undergo because people that look like them committed a crime against the country. Mm-hmm. Um I thought that the first episode is really interesting because I think what's going to happen uh, as what I've observed happening anytime makes someone makes a a a a comparison between the internment camps we have along the US border and like, you know, uh death camps that happen in Nazi Germany, everyone fixates on the differences. Like, well, you know, there's no gas chambers, no one's being killed, blah, 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 versus the similarities, which is, you know, you're separating families, you're taking all their mm-hmm. possessions away. Um, and they get into that in some of these, these uh, 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 this, this episodes where... I wonder how much people are going to fixate on the differences between you know what like like oh well these are, what was bad about this is these were American citizens and they came in the country legally versus yeah but look at like the families being split up look at how callous the people are who are just following orders like yeah. one guy and and like also like even before like this starts quite a bit before the internment camps start up and you see the political climate that these people are already at risk. They're at risk to being fucked with economically. They're mm-hmm. at risk to being fucked with politically because like, Oh, you know, if you don't want to bribe me, it'd just be a shame. If, uh, someone, uh, reported those long boat trips you take, you know, like maybe you're taking an extra fuel and you're giving it to the emperor. Like, just because of situations beyond their control, and because of their race, they're at risk with a of a lot of things that a, a, a citizen that that looks like you know a white person mm-hmm. doesn't have to contend with. And I thought that was interesting. And also the fact that like you know, as we talked about, how rel- how pretty callous people were about carrying out these orders, like um you know what do we do with children or babies like well i don't have any i don't have anything that says it's okay or like uh i'm, I'm gonna round up suspected spies and uh what does is a blind man can be a spy like oh they don't say he can't be so i'm just gonna take him and one guy who was like our friend of this guy uh i thought it was interesting that they they, they should portray chester having this friend that he has with this what walt on base is that the guy's name hmm, i don't know um yeah but but like how that changed char- changed like really frosty really quick mm-hmm. when the guy came time to like you know get him you know rounded up it's like hey you know don't don't make me be an asshole i'm just doing my job i'm just trying to collect you and it's, it's really bizarre and i think that that's the social dynamic that i think is worrying like how fast it can come to like these being our friends these being our neighbors these being fellow citizens to these being the other and once they get classified as the other shit there's almost anything you can justify doing to them right because if you don't like you're putting the country at risk and you're not being patriotic mhm um and how yeah <laughs>
1: these are the tools of fascism everyone yes yes uh. yeah you find you find a difference you and and look at world war 2 america is not immune to those influences yeah and and also
0: like in the the episodes as we get more into like episode 3 how Again, I felt like everyone that entered these camps were patriotic uh, Americans. And in fact, they were uh, some of these older uh, Japanese gentlemen are like, you know what? Don't worry about this. This is for everyone's protection. You know, uh, you should fight for this country because blah, blah, blah. And you're starting to see already early on, like everyone that enter, like, enters the camp as a patriotic American, they're not going to leave that way because already you can see the bit you know the fact that also to seem like a i I think that they'll probably deal with this but i know a little bit to know that a lot of these japanese that were forced in these camps lost a lot of their land they're only allowed to take two suitcases with there's a lot of like looting and profiteering in a very legal way that went on and what these communities are going to lose they're going to never going to get back um so like what what not only does this not does this weaken the country because it weakens like your ideals and you know we fall short of our own mark of like perfection for ourselves, but it also hurts these communities because you take people that love the country and you turn them into people that hate the country because mm-hmm. of how they're they're treated and like who who the fuck wouldn't have that opinion um but that goes back to... So that's all super interesting, but there's also some monster ghost stuff that's stuck in, and uh, they it, obviously it's intended to be a mystery, so they're playing coy with it, and I found that kind of frustrating because it wow. interfered with the things that I thought were actually interesting. And also, it feels almost like cruel, like uh, there's this Japanese kind of vengeful spirit or some kind of evil doing that's like kicking these people while they're down. Like, what the... And and also like I
1: also I started thinking. Well, I, it's, I think it's trying to get into the heads of these people, uh, to to kind of understand you know from their cultural angle what they might be thinking, right? Like mm. if they're you know people who buy into ideas like curses, mm. um, ideas like spirit, supernatural beings, spiritual ephemeral beings, um, who judge them. I think they could be looking at their current situation and thinking those thoughts. Now, I don't yes. think any of that shit really happened. Right. Like, I'm not a ghost guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, b- but from their perspective, I could see them thinking that. Yeah, that this is like some kind of curse
0: that we have earned because of our particular... And But the show itself kind of blurs those lines because in the first episode, for example... Um, not to spoil anything, but one of the core, uh, dynamics is between the, this, the community of fishermen and this, uh, uh, white American, uh, plant manager who's like, he, he runs mm-hmm. a cannery, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's fucking with these Japanese people over their catch. But like, I kept getting confused about whether he was fucking with them just because he's a racist and he's trying to exploit them or there was an issue because it did seem like some of the stuff that he pointed out, like the poor quality of their catch was maybe true. And mm-hmm. also just the small size of their catch might be true. And like, um, was I supposed to understand that this is part of the curse? Uh, is this just overfishing? Is this just because this guy's a racist and he's fucking with this vulnerable community because he can, and he can squeeze them for profits. Uh, is it is it all of the above? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then that thing like I I uh, that thing gets all kind of resolved in a fairly spectacular fashion, and i was kind of scratching my head like I don't have the answers, but I think you hit the nail on the head. If you are superstitious and you think these things are possible, then you will start to see them everywhere. Uh, you you go yeah
1: and i i just wish that the show had given me a better inroad than sort of just dumping it on me and saying who here's spooky ghost girl
0: but how is that yeah I, i was about to i was about to ask how is this different from the first season where we were continually debating whether these people were losing their mind because of lead poisoning and uh 24 hours of darkness and extreme isolation or oh they're actually being fucked with by supernatural
1: polar bears yeah no no it's a fair question i think it's because it was more gradual in the first season it wasn't like they didn't have the very first scene that season two does that makes you go okay no this is clearly horror Okay, all right. Yeah, I wonder if they kept the horror out
0: of the for- first episode yeah. and just, like, you know, it's, it's this poor catch, and, like, I don't understand, like, maybe... Because there was a little thing. It's like, I, I don't understand why this is happening. Maybe it's because something's happening. It's forcing the things from the... Bo- uh, and it's like, you know, is, is, this effects, is this effects of, like, the wartime scarcity, or is there overfishing? But, like, I also think that they had a... Because it was a large cast, and it's just kind of a sprawling, slow-burn plot, like, oh, we got to... We got to get some, you know, the Ringu type stuff in here right away, <laughs> yeah. or people are going to like get antsy.
1: It's a shame, though, because I feel like the question of whether or not stuff is happening to them that's supernatural would have been the most interesting way to go. Mm-hmm. As it stands, I'm not questioning whether or not this is supernatural stuff affecting them. I'm questioning what the supernatural entity wants with them. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: and who's I, it even targeting? Because it's not clear yeah, to me, yeah. like, why is it fucking with the people? Like, I know, and, and uh, we're not allowed to talk about this, but I know what they think that they want you to think is it's mm-hmm. fucking with them for, and I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so... That, but, but that's, yeah, that is interesting. And I also wonder, like, if I'm a showrunner and I start thinking about, like, setting up this, it's like, man, do I want to really follow in the footsteps of the first, the terror? Because, like, this is an anthology. Part of it is, yeah. like, if you just do the same formula and, oh, it's not some godforsaken patch of ice in the Arctic, this is actually some godforsaken uh internment camp in california like Mm -hmm. if you just set one interesting thing one interesting setting for another interesting setting it's different to cast but it's exactly the same thing like will people lose interest so kind of like mixing this up and including more overt horror things right away um i will say that this is certainly hmm because in early going the terror, there was very there's there's a lot of like dread and suspense. But there wasn't mm-hmm. like I can think of like the guy underneath the ice shelf in the middle of the water kind of looking out <laughs> and like just how scary that was. Uh-huh. But nothing really came of it versus there's a yep. lot of like just, you know, James Wanish kind of like horror moments that are kind mm-hmm. of gru- pretty gruesome
1: there's a couple things yeah there are a couple things that happened that I I genuinely was like wow that was either really cool or incredibly fucked up yeah yeah, yeah. a Uh, lot more of those than in season one yeah definitely in in the first three episodes for sure Uh so I I don't know I mean ultimately do I want to watch more of this show I think after what after seeing episode three I feel a little bit better about it because I think episode three is where it really started to to connect more with me Mm -hmm. um 1 and 2 were rough but I think I'll continue to watch this. I'll mm-hmm. I'll give it at least a few more. We've got screeners out through episode 6, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll probably check those out and maybe we can come back and revisit this at some point. You know, what as far as how this goes out or how this
0: continues to unfold in the future, I'm wondering, you know, we started this in December of 1941 right before Pearl Harbor. Right now in the show we're in like the spring of 42. There's a lot of war left, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering how far we'll actually get. Will we have a time jump where, you know, we're getting to the end of the war, or we're going to have a time jump where it's post-war, and they're trying to reintegrate these communities back? And, like, what does that—but, like, you know, the idea— the stuff with the the vengeful spirits have heated up so fast. It's like, what is going to be left of that if if <laughs> if, if this is happening all throughout the internment and yeah, or yeah. is this just going to be like about the beginning stages and you're kind of like an open question of how we move for uh, how things move forward as a country afterwards. Um, well, I, don't I think know. that's
1: an open question. Yeah, because we, was... we haven't seen it all.
0: First, the uh, the the first uh, the the first the terror. There was tons of time skips. In fact, there's a oh, couple yeah. that I thought were pretty upsetting. It's like, oh, I was like going to be buckled in for a long. Uh, winter of <laughs> these men stuck, and it's like, nope, we're just going to we're going to fast forward through an entire winter. Yeah,
1: um, just pick it up next winter.
0: Yeah, so like this is kind of in the show's DNA where they can just kind of uh, jump around, but they have to. They're just so much, it's such a much bigger cast to, and yeah. so much more intricate connections and the backstories. Like, because in the terror, you only really had a, a backstory between uh, one or two of the cat. Like, I think the three main captains. Mm-hmm um all had some back history and some entanglements but like that was it whereas here it's like this is a whole community that's interconnected and they're interrelated and there's people that are dating and there's people that are this and so it it it's just taken a much longer time to kind of establish all those be- so you have to establish all that before you can fast forward in time mm-hmm. because if you don't have like a good understanding of where everybody's at fast forwarding is just going to lose people yeah. so but yeah, if they want to, if they cover the kind of breadth of this experience, they're going to have to be a lot of fast forwards. Um, Anything, I, uh, I was really excited to see George Takai, because I haven't seen him in a lot, you know, like he's very active online, and I really like all the stuff he's doing his online, uh, you know, activism and political commentary, um, but I I was kind of delighted by the things I did see him. He's he essentially kind of like the elder statesman of this community. He's one of the very first to arrive. He used to be a fisherman boat captain. He was a... Uh, I think he was a tea trader, and then he became the... uh tuna boxing champion of this particular island. <laughs> uh, and like him telling those stories, I think, was was some of the very few, le- the very little comic relief we get. Mm-hmm. And then he also is instrumental, I think, uh, in later scenes where he's explaining like some of the supernatural concepts like you yeah. get in passing, like, uh, you know, what type of ghost this is and how you ward them away. And he, he's kind of like there to, to fill in that backstory.
1: Um, yeah, and he's great. I found the acting to be... Serviceable to good, I didn't think anybody particularly stood out with the exception of maybe Chester's father. I really like, I really that. like, yeah. um, yeah, but every, everybody else, like, it is an ensemble cast, and I don't feel like anybody particularly stands out. From
0: it's it. also tough on screeners because I don't get uh, subtitles, and yeah, yeah, I'm I rely on like uh, subtitles when I'm trying to take you know, like. Seriously, approach stuff because like you miss things, and some of this stuff is very quiet, and there's mixed dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, and you're talking about some of the characters have heavy accents because they're trying to portray you know first generation immigrants, and that was yeah. a little bit challenging, especially in the first episode, just learning people's names and who's related to who. Uh, there's a little bit more more work there. If I had subtitles, I could just turn on.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Man, it's uh, it must be rough if you're a deaf tv critic
1: yeah <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> uh because you, you have
0: to you must have to rely on like live uh like on the fly text to speech or speech to text converters and mm-hmm. that must be fraught with all kinds of peril
1: oh yeah so a, a lot yeah. of inferring what they actually meant yeah I, I imagine all right we're only halfway done here we've actually got an interview coming up to talk about uh the new Disney Plus announcement their bundle service with Hulu uh ad, ad supported tier and ESPN Plus. Uh we're going to be talking with Scott Porch who is uh, he's a producer on our new show Pickle Me This. He also covers TV business for the New York Post Decider. And let's get to our conversation with Scott.
0: Uh Scott, we had News come out this week where Disney had announced that they are going to provide a bundle of services, including Disney Plus, uh, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Um, and it was going to be for a pretty shockingly low. It seems to be a shockingly low by industry standards, uh, way below expectations, uh, $12.99. Uh, what are your thoughts? First thoughts. First thoughts. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so if you think about what the pricing is, that's basically the $7 for Disney Plus that has already been announced, plus the $5 version of Hulu, which is catalog Hulu ad-supported. It's adding those together and then essentially getting the ESPN Plus part for free which kind of makes sense because you know there there's probably less of a market for the ESPN plus you know for subscribers to those other two services and you know most of ESPN plus is uh is pay per view so you know there's there's not as much in the the, the catalog so the, the chance to get you know, people interested in those other two services and then maybe if they're, you know, sports oriented, you know, MMA, college football to, to be able to pick up some pay-per-view uh, on top of that, you know, they they feel like is a a, a good long-term subscriber who's going to weather the price increases over the next several years.
0: Yeah, and it does seem like it's aimed at like, hey, this is an attractive family for, you know, cord cutters who are now getting into being parents because you've got a broad base of family uh, oriented content, you've got uh, some serious adult drama uh, and entertainment on Hulu, and then you've also got sports. um And I think Disney's counting on people seeing that as the public perception. But I guess that's the, the way you broke it down—that this is essentially just bundling Disney and Hulu as it is, and you getting ESPN. I feel like because, like, when I was talking to this with Jim, Jim's like, "Well, you know, you get all the sports with ESPN." I'm like, "But you don't, yeah, because I think a lot of people think that ESPN." Plus, you essentially get like most of the things are on at least ESPN Prime. Um, but it's essentially <laughs> just a bunch of soccer and pay per view.
2: Well, I'm really curious to see, and one thing they did not announce is where they're going to do the bundle. And, you know, one approach would be that, you know, you can have a login for the Disney Plus service on the Disney Plus app on various platforms and that the same login would work for for Hulu and for ESPN Plus. I, I expect, given that Hulu already allows you to add HBO uh, Showtime and Stars that they're just going to build Disney Plus directly into the Hulu app. And because Hulu already has the live TV version, you know, where you can subscribe basically to cable for. You know, fifty fifty five dollars a month. The fact that that's already built into the Hulu you know app would would lead me to think that you know that ESPN already works there, so ESPN Plus will probably work there just fine, and that the whole thing is probably going to live in the Hulu app.
0: Uh, one of the things I saw when people were discussing this on like R slash Television, R slash Cord Cutters, um, is the idea that this is starting to look a lot like uh you know the, the the like cable that essentially you have this pa- this bundle that saves you money but to do so you have to get a whole bunch of st- you get you get some stuff you want some stuff you're ambivalent about and some stuff you're never going to need but like it all kind of subsidizes and it's one of those things where it's like every single time i order the internet and just the internet the person's like but you can get phones for two more dollars and i'm like the fuck do i need phones you know <sighs> Uh, I mean, I hear
2: that. I hear people every time there's an announcement like this on Twitter, people will say, oh, well, it's just going to rebundle cable and it's all going to be the same thing eventually. But like I don't see the incentive structure for that. I don't see an incentive for Disney to require you to subscribe to CBS and NBC through a cable bundle. I mean, this seems like the the a la carte. TV we've all wanted for you know 20 years you know we've all wanted to be able to get you know Comedy Central as a separate service or ESPN as a separate service or you know uh CNN as a separate service and that's not exactly coming but it's it's we're going to get a lot closer to that than what we have now so i mean the the idea that paying you know even $20 for the ad free you know version of this with some extras or whatever is comparable to the $108 a month average cable bill it's just nonsense to me i th- this is this is way better and i foresee it being way better in the the future for people who don't want to subscribe to you know certain types of things to be able to subscribe to what they want if you just want this and you're not interested in hbo max at 18 dollars or 20 dollars or whatever when it comes out don't subscribe to it i mean uh, this is this is better than i think that than it's ever been before
1: yeah it's funny to me though because you know half of the people are screaming about a oh, rebundling of cable type services half the people are screaming about too many options too many choices and there's too much good television out there being made like netflix isn't the only thing i need to have anymore i need to now have you know to see everything my friends are talking about netflix hulu disney apple i'm gonna I'm gonna have to have you know a hundred dollars worth of services a month. Is there a substantial difference in that?
2: I mean, I think social media is always mad about something. I think you're exactly right that we we've complained for years that we want a la carte TV and now we're complaining that we have too many choices. I mean, I, that this is the a la carte TV, you know, we've wanted if it, it, I, there are more choices coming, certainly, you know, I mean, Apple TV Plus is coming this fall. We don't know exactly how that's going to price. You know, do you get that for free if you're already an Apple Music subscriber or Apple News Plus subscriber or is they're going to be, you know, some fairly inexpensive price to, to get you in the door to reflect the fact that there's not going to be a whole lot in that catalog um, at the beginning. Then you've got uh, HBO Max is going to, you know, layer a lot of, you know, Warner Media former Turner Broadcasting Channel uh, content on top of HBO. And then in the spring, uh, uh uh NBC is is going to launch its new product first for cable subscribers to get as a free add-on and then I'm you know I'm I'm sure eventually you know they're going to al- allow that to to be a subscription product for 10 12 whatever dollars a month these these are these are good options to have if you're already not on cable um, you know, there's something like a, a quarter of, of U.S. households either have have canceled their subscription to pay TV service or never had pay TV service, and for a lot of those, this is one more option, and two more options, and three more options than what they have right now.
0: It does feel to me like a little bit of an unstable equilibrium, because the way I see it shaking out is like, you know, you got all these new choices entering the market and everybody's competing for eyeballs. And one of two things is likely, in my case, in my estimation, to happen. Number one, uh, people just silo up in their individual silos and they watch the content they like. You know, the DC, uh, if you're a real DC fanboy, you're going to you know, uh get the DC app and watch your superhero stuff. If you're a fan of Marvel, then you're probably gonna get Disney if you're and and Star Wars and you know, some of the niche if, if you like your niche show, you're gonna pick whatever the channel is that's got yes. the niche show. Uh but it's also it seems likely that like in ten years I can read a press release where Disney says, you know, we've looked at the numbers and eighty percent of our subscriber base subscribes to the Hulu Disney ESPN bundle uh, and it just doesn't make sense to support the the unbundled version. So now we're we're dropping the unbundled services, and it's going to be you know twelve ninety nine or fifteen ninety nine at this point. And it's that's where it's like that's where it seems like he's like, what's their incentive? I mean the incentive is you try to lock people into buying stuff and subsidize stuff that you know is, is kind of nichey to get more of those nichey markets i just feel like it's, it's going to be one of those two the idea that there's going to be 15 streaming services at 599 to 1599 for like deck like a well, really long time seems unlikely i just don't feel like there's that many eyeball enough eyeballs to support it
2: I mean, that's certainly conceivable. I I wrote I talked to a bunch of analysts and wrote recently about what CBS Viacom is likely to look at after the merger. Uh, and a long story that came out last week in Decider. And one of the things that came up over and over uh, in that call or in those calls is that there are, you know, really a couple of different models out there for these media companies. Netflix is one model, you know, a, a, essentially a database of differentiated content for a, a big list of differentiated users so that you, you might not be watching watching the same things I am but the catalog is all there and all the different users have access to everything and the algorithm sort of sorts out what kind of viewer you are mm-hmm. and the the other model are these more you know microservices and if if you look at what Disney and Viacom have been doing you know separately already uh, you know Viacom is going to launch b e t plus this fall they haven 't announced pricing or said uh, how it 's going to be available yet, but that 's you know conceivably going to be a you know four or five dollar uh, uh o t t subscription or an add on for various other kinds of subscriptions. I would imagine after a merger that 's you know something that 's going to be available to add on to your Uh, to your CBS all access plan. And CBS certainly has a, you know, kind of the undifferentiated, you know, database style approach with CBS all access. But, CBS also has CBSN, which is a news service that competes with MSNBC and CNN that's 100 percent free and ad supported. There's a sports news service uh, called CBS Sports HQ, I think, and then they have the entertainment one. is called ET Live. They just announced yesterday – that they're going to do a local market. They already have local market live news um, um, services as part of their uh, CN, uh, what is it called? CBSN, that's already available in New York and LA. And they're adding that to like 13 more markets. So, I mean, some of these companies are definitely going to take the approach that they, if they can support a niche. Uh, with a lower subscription fee and and or some combination of a subscription fee and, and advertising support, then you might still see a lot of these in you know individual niche. Products out there, and that's going to compete with you know the HBO Maxes and the 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 you know Hulu Disney Plus ESPN Plus bundle and keep pricing you know in in check on those things. I don't think it's any coincidence that Disney is coming in at extremely low pricing on uh, uh, Disney Plus. You know, either solo or in the bundle is either at the price or cheaper of the most common uh, uh, Netflix. Package, so I, I, we're, I think price competition is, is going to be a factor for a lot of these services,
0: yeah, for sure. Do, do you think that uh ESPN would ever build ESPN Plus into kind of like uh, a basic cable version of its like maybe it has ESPN and ESPN2, or maybe it has uh some local sports or something, localized sports? Um, are they like and build the value of it because that's the thing if 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 espn plus was even like half of what you get at the espn if you just got like sports center and you know so, some of the the big game like if you got uh whatever the is a monday night football that's on espn like i would the, I think so the perceived value would be so much higher but i guess maybe the perceived cost would be too
2: I think the business case for ESPN Plus has always been that it's kind of a, a waiting receptacle for what happens when cable finally collapses. You know, that, that 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 Disney would have a service that's capable of streaming sports at a high quality and with a good interface and all of those things. And that, uh, you know, eventually when cable subscription dwindles, you know, to an amount that it makes sense to start doing these things, you know, on the digital side that they 'll be up and running and ready for that i you know part of this is in their carrier agreements you know i mm-hmm. i 've not seen these agreements but have seen reporting about them that In Disney's carriage agreement with, you know, various cable providers, they may make some promises about what will be on ESPN, you know, that we will continue to carry, you know, certain sports leagues or, you know, NFL's Monday Night Football or a certain number of hours of ESPN because these – I mean these local cable providers that are, you know, paying $8 a month per – subscription uh uh you know per subscriber every month they want to know what's in their ESPN mm. and so they you know those those are things that may get negotiated you know over the next several rounds of 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 carriage agreements with Disney what Disney would like for them to do is go ahead and add ESPN plus into their carriage agreement and uh, you know I, that may happen to some extent but you're already seeing how would that
0: how would that work you well, sit- the
2: same the same way you can subscribe to Netflix through Comcast. You know, you just add it to your bill, and it shows up on the Xfinity X1 platform.
0: Oh, it's been so yeah, long or Verizon since Verizon or any of those. Yeah, it's been so long since I've had a cable, but I didn't even yeah. know you could get Netflix through the provider. Interesting.
2: And that may happen. You're seeing that with a lot of smaller streaming services now. You know, like you can get Acorn TV. Um, and a curiosity stream, which is like a discovery, uh, competitor. You can, you can subscribe to a lot of those services now through Comcast, uh, you know, just by adding them to your bill on Xfinity and they Hmm. show up, you know, just like a, you know, just like HBO, just like a premium service. I, I, you know, I, I think that the, the, the cable companies or the 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 networks would you know would would love for people who are subscribing, you know, continuing to subscribe to cable, you know, to pay extra to get some of these services.
0: All I know is it drives me crazy when I order a UFC pay per view and I have to watch the preliminaries on the ESPN (laughs) service and then right in the middle of it I have to hustle over to ESPN the actual channel to watch the you know the the publicly available app part of it and then I have to hustle once again uh back to the ESPN plus and to start a different stream to get the 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 top top cards it's like what is there's got to be a better way to do this but
2: they know that's a bad
0: user experience i think that's transitional
2: i think you're going to i think you're going to expect i mean part of what's happening with this hulu bundle is they're you know it's been was it 13 dollars a month is that what they're is that what they're marketing it as
1: yeah it's 12.99 yeah
2: yeah 12.99 a month i mean that's an intro price i mm-hmm. mean if you want like you know, if you want to add HBO to that, it's more. If you want to add the live TV channels to that, it's more. If you want to add the live TV channels and the extra DVR space, you know, it's more. If you want the ad-free, you know, version of the catalog, it's like four dollars more. And I thought, so so I-, I think you potentially could see this array of pricing where you can kind of have it any way you want it you know in 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 the interface
0: what did you think about the idea that they're not bundling the hulu commercial free experience because i i know that was a big disappointment of cord cutters is like why why isn't there like a four dollar more expensive option where i can get the bundle and and skip the ads and i what I, is the answer for I that i think
2: there I think there will be. I, I think that's exactly what they're. I think that that's exactly what they're going to do. That was a PR announcement, and we don't know anything about the interface yet. But I think is that it, was a PR. Is it
0: announcement. is it as cynical as they like like do that so they get people spun up about the fact that there's not a service just so they can announce the thing they've always planned so people are like thank God <laughs> and it's like now you've given a glass of water to a thirsty man instead of a glass of water to a man it's sated. Is it? I mean,
2: maybe some of that, but I mean, I mean the people at. At CBS All Access and at Hulu have both told me that there are more subscribers on the ad supported version than there are on the ad-free version. That sounds crazy to me. I mean, in, in both cases, you can get ad-free for $4 a month, you know, either on Hulu or CBS All Access. And for a service that's, you know, only four, five, six dollars to make it ad-free for an an extra four dollars so that all of what you're watching you know hbo netflix uh you know amazon star showtime any of that other stuff that that you watch that's all ad free i don't understand why anybody wouldn't add the ad free version for an extra four dollars but there's you know there's a consumer tolerance for for advertising that i just don't have because i've been trained on you know on on Hulu and and Netflix and, and you know and Amazon with, without ever having to watch ads, but there's apparently a fairly high tolerance for it out there. So I don't think it's necessarily cynical to advertise that thirteen dollars a month because there's probably going to be a lot of people that are going to subscribe at that amount. I think what they're what they're hoping is that they're going to find a lot of new Hulu subscribers, you know, this way, that people who are coming into yeah. the, to their ecosystem specifically to get Disney Plus are going to look at, um, you know, maybe only having to pay an extra $5, you know, to get Hulu. I mean, I I think, you know, they would definitely like for you to subscribe at $13 instead of, you know, instead of $5 less. But, you know, they would also like for you to you know to add HBO to that for $15 because they make a commission on that and you know all, all of the other things that they're going to make available yeah i i i i haven't seen the cord cutter story but i i think it would be crazy for disney not to offer it ad free because the system is already set up for that
0: yeah. they,
2: they all they already offer that
0: i do think this this younger generation especially this the the quote unquote zoomers jesus christ i hope we don't stick with that as a generational name but They're running out of letters. Um, Anyway, that that a lot of these folks are growing up on YouTube. I mean, YouTube commercialization, unless you have like YouTube Red or some premium service, is somewhere between network TV and AM radio as, as as bad as intrusive, and like that just. It's seen as a matter-of-fact kind of thing. So I feel like the tolerance of commercial – unlike the generation that kind of grew up in the early days of the internet where it's almost offensive to see an ad. What the – an ad on my web browser? Ad block plus. Uh, The younger generation maybe not care as much. So, Well, you look at uh, the success
2: (laughs) of Pluto TV. I talked to Tom Ryan. The interview hasn't come out yet. It will be out in Decider sometime in the next week or so. But I talked to Tom Ryan, the CEO of Pluto TV, earlier this week. They're growing at a million – uh uh i don't know if subscribers is the right word because it's free but they're growing at a at a million monthly active users uh a, a month right now and they have some you know vod component to that service but most of the people that are using that service are just watching you know, old movies and reruns of sitcoms and uh, yesterday's CNN and these these very not prime uh, uh, you know content options and they're watching it ad supported. I it seems nuts to me that there's a a, a market for that, but you you may be right that it's a combination of millennials that are used to seeing, or, you know, Gen Z, millennial babies, whatever they're, whatever we're calling them now, that, that are, are growing up seeing ads on YouTube and then, uh, you know, their their grandparents' generation is already accustomed to ads from growing up watching, you know, their entire lives watching live TV. So, I mean, that may explain the tolerance for it that that I just don't have. It drives me crazy to sit through more than one ad spot. I I, I just can't handle it. And some Man, you.
0: Sometimes yeah. the countdown makes it worse. Like knowing this is one of 3 is worse than, you know, it it eliminates hope. That's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, about the only place I
2: encounter it is when I watch, um, like, CBSN, or I watch Pluto TV. Uh, sometimes I uh, have on during the day, and it's to me, it's just like regular cable. You know, when the commercials come on, that's when you you know <laughs> run to the kitchen or uh, pick up your phone and you know return an email or you know it's it's kind of like when you tune out. But yeah, I, I can't it's imagine selecting it on. Yeah, I can't imagine selecting it on purpose. You know, I'm going to watch the, the uh, uh, you know, finale of some, you know, drama on Hulu or something, you know, Handmaid's Tale. You know, I think like the season finale is next week. Like I want to sit down and watch that with like – Four commercial breaks that 's ridiculous i 'll pay the four dollars and not you know and not and not have to deal with that this next year is going to be really exciting for what 's available to watch on t v and and where it 's going to be available. To watch it, you know, all of the TVs that are coming out right now are capable of handling this stuff natively. You know, uh, Samsung TVs and Amazon Fire TVs and Roku TVs, all of this stuff is just going to work. You know, there's not going to be a... You know, dongle you're going to have to buy to, you know, put on the back of the TV to, you know, to make any of this stuff work. And so all these new services that are going to, you know, that are going to come out, it's, you know, it's going to be very easy to sample. Um, It's very easy to quit. Um, You know, that used to be with cable you know if you added HBO to watch a particular show to your cable bill when you canceled it you had to call and you had to go through customer service and you know listen to you know four yeah. different pitches for why you shouldn't cancel it all that stuff's electronic now you know you you, do, you don't want to watch HBO anymore you just you know go into your settings and cancel it and i think these uh, streaming services that are out now and the ones that are you know coming you know over the next year are are going to be very attuned you know from the fact that you're just a couple of clicks away from getting rid of them if they don't have something else you want to watch and I think all of that's going to be good for you know content. Uh, Good for pricing. Uh, You know, we're I feel much more optimistic about the consumer case for, you know, for what's on TV than, you know, at, at any time previously, you know, that I've been watching, you know, the TV business.
0: Well, sure, it's easy to cancel now, but in 10 years when you have to defeat a deep learning machine at chess just to <laughs> speak to a consumer rep, that's that's when the grim reality of our situation will really I'm waiting in. for
2: those CAPTCHA questions to get harder. You know, <laughs> one plus one equals... I'm, I'm waiting for, like, what's the capital of Montana?
0: I feel like I already feel fail a disturbing amount of is this a street or a car picture i'm like uh, well i, I it, do
2: not do well on those there's like, 10 percent of
0: car there's a quarter of a car in this picture yeah. is that a car or no car damn it which one of these is a
2: you know which one of these is a basketball yeah or, uh, I, I feel like i've gotten that one a couple of times I and then it asks it me
0: again i'm like oh damn it i failed it's like going to the eye doctor only more stressful <laughs> absolutely all right, Scott. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate yeah, your insight absolutely. into the industry. And uh, we'll have to have to make it a, a regular, a semi-regular deal. Yeah, for sure. All right. Have a great weekend.
1: So that's it for this week's Bald Move TV. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we want to remind you, if you want to send in your thoughts or questions, you can do so at tv at baldmove.com or at the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Uh, tell a friend about this podcast. Yeah, you can't tweet on Instagram, can you? But yeah, tweet it on Instagram. Tweet it on Facebook. Tweet it on Twitter. Uh, let everybody know that you're listening to it, and we will see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. Aaron's not here. See ya.